the baseline of what I expect for myself? And am I meeting that baseline? And asking yourself kind of doing a check-in from head to toe, like how am I feeling in each part of my body? And I implore my clients to do this before going to any healthcare professional too, is really start at the top of your head and work your way down. How does each part of my body feeling? In my head, do I have headaches? Do I have anxiety? Do I have racing thoughts? And move your way down. If anything jumps out at you, it's probably honestly not normal. Like you don't notice the things that are good. So you're not like, my stomach hasn't felt like anything in three days. We don't notice that. We notice when our stomach feels off. We notice when our head is pounding. You don't notice the absence of things, which is really one marker of health is the absence of pain and discomfort. That's the bare minimum of what we want for people. But we don't have to tolerate discomfort all the time. Even if you're struggling with chronic illness, there might be a 1% thing you can do to optimize and feel a little bit better. There's definitely some acceptance of the ebbs and flows, but tolerating discomfort all the time, it really doesn't have to be that way for everyone. Welcome to Black Belt Beauty Radio, a podcast fueled by a passion to support your journey in developing your most beautiful and optimal performance in life. Each episode is driven with the intention to elevate your mind. When we elevate our mind, we elevate our life. So get ready. It's time to rise. Hey guys, welcome back to Black Belt Beauty Radio. This week's empowering guest is holistic health pioneer and exceptional dietitian, my girl, Michelle Shapiro. I absolutely love the message that this hilarious, passionate, fiery, and equally down-to-earth New Yorker is fortifying the world with through her business and the expression of her most authentic self. Especially today when there's just so much fear, uncertainty, and health challenges that oppose lifestyles that are going to optimize, you know, wellness and health. Michelle is connecting us to the empowering truth that is we get to decide how good we want to feel in our lives and to not settle for suboptimal health. In her career, she is dedicated to helping executives heal from digestive issues and chronic stress so that they can lose weight and restore their energy all while experiencing a deeper connection with themselves, their food, and their life. Having been through a unhealthy 90 pound weight loss journey herself, Michelle has incredible knowledge and insight as to the process of what true healing and optimal health looks like. In this episode, we discuss the benefits of quality functional medicine and nutrition, anxiety being an ailment of the physical body, not just the mind. We talk about the body positivity movements, some aspects that we definitely feel compassion and resonance with, and other parts that we do not. We discuss how to better connect with our food and our food sources. We talk about digestive enhancers and mindful eating being so important, where to start finding reputable wellness information, owning yourself and sharing your most authentic self in this life and so much more. You guys, honestly, this episode is fire. Michelle's energy is truly an experience that I believe is just going to kickstart any kind of motivation, desire that you need or add to what you've already got going on to keep you on the path of optimal health and wellness, aside from just giving you insights and information that you know maybe you don't have in your um, awareness right now that, that will support you to feel better, to optimize your nutrition and your overall lifestyle around health and wellness. It's, it's just, it's a powerful conversation. Uh, it's so much fun. Michelle is hilarious. Hilarious. I, I really can't get enough with her. She will likely be coming on this podcast again because she's just 
way too much fun to not have her back on. So anyways, please, please, please let us know that you are listening to this episode by sharing it up on your IG stories and tagging myself, Blackfoot Beauty and Michelle. Her IG handle is in the show notes. Um, all of the ways at which to connect with Michelle, if you want to work with her, that is as well in the show notes. And finally, a little ask before I hit play, if you have not given this podcast a five-star rating review. It would mean the world to me and Team Black Belt Beauty Radio if you would go ahead and do so. I've made a very easy link for you to go ahead and do that that is in the show notes as well. So you guys, get ready for this incredible experience that is Michelle Shapiro. Enjoy. You guys, before I hit play on this episode, I got to fill you in on one of my secret weapons that helps me to feel great and perform great in my life. I get asked this question all the time. How do you have so much energy? And the truth is, it's my entire lifestyle. But a major factor that plays into this energy is my morning ritual. That's right. That is my secret weapon. It's how I'm starting my days. How you start your day, you guys directly impacts how you are going to move throughout your day. So what I wanted to do to really support you to optimize your energy, to help you be very focused and drive yourself in the direction you want to move yourself throughout your day is I created a free downloadable 10 minute kick-ass energy morning ritual. That's right. Cause I know, I know not everybody has a ton of time every morning to designate to a morning practice, but even 10 minutes 10 minutes at the start of your day will make a major difference. I say it all the time, you guys, inches make the mile. So what do you get in this morning ritual? You get a five minute meditation that you can actually take in at any time of day. It's going to root you, center you, and help you just get very grounded and elevated within yourself. You're also going to get a free downloadable PDF with some action prompts just to help you build the habit of this ritual. So so there's some journal prompts in there. There's a movement prompt in there. There's some intentional nutrition prompts in there just to help you, you know, be very conscious about the way that you're driving your body and your nutrition throughout the day. Both are huge levers in how you're going to feel and perform. Another call to actions. All of this you can receive by entering your email. There's a link in the show notes, but this is also on blackbeltbeauty.com's homepage. I just made it easy for you by putting this link in the show notes. Put in your email and you will immediately get the meditation and PDF sent to you. I did this because I want you to feel great and perform great in your life. And honestly, you guys, my morning ritual is truly that. It is a secret weapon. It's how I sharpen my sword and how I strengthen my shield and prepare for battle. Whatever life's going to throw at me or whatever I'm, you know, putting myself in, in terms of being in the arena, you know, seek the fight every day. I know that I'm going to be better capable after I have done this morning ritual. So check it out. Let me know if it serves you. DM me on Roxy Look or Black Belt Beauty's Instagram. I can't wait to hear what you think and what you feel after practicing this morning ritual. Okay. I, this is historically, anytime I start a podcast cackling, it's a fucking, it's a hall of famer. <laughs> we got to make it there. We've got to make it the whole thing. This is a first with the fan, but I am just, I'm over here sweating. 
sweating because I'm so excited to be here with you, Michelle. Yes. Yeah, I'm so freaking excited to be here, Roxanne. Seriously. Seriously, I there's so many things that I'm I'm excited to pick your brain about. Um, I think you know, we were just talking about this a little bit. The conversation around health is one that I'm always eager to have. I don't feel like there's anything more empowering an individual can do than to be in charge of their health and to be consistently optimizing their health. So not just being baseline, but really like, how do we stay ahead of the game? Like I have a whole tagline built into my brand called not called it. The tagline is age, like a badass. And how do you do that? You know, how do you, how do you, cause I, I firmly believe that we're not just here to fall apart on our way to death. We can actually be kicking ass have our health span be moving with our lifespan, but it's going to take a lot of work. And I know that you are an expert when it comes to the work. So my girl, thank you so much for carving out time to be here with me and all of us tuned in. It is more than my pleasure to be here. It was the exciting moment of my week. And I can't wait to sit with you, a person who I value your opinion so much and just in general, we just want to hang. So I'm so excited to have your energy and just like totally hang out with you today. I'm really, I really am so freaking excited to talk to you today. Me too. So let's dive in. I think, you know, the first place that I would love to start uh, with you specifically, um, you know, when we first connected and we were, you know, becoming more acquainted with each other, one thing that was so, so, so obvious to me is that you are so passionate about what you do. And I know, I know from my own life, um, when you come across someone who's really, really passionate about their their profession, their mission and their profession, it's usually because they're coming from a real deal experience that has really, you know, cultivated this passion and this mission. So I would love to start with your backstory because uh, one thing that I love in your bio is I'm going to actually read it. So I don't mess it up, but you said, I became a dietitian after a personal weight loss of 90 pounds for which I've maintained for close to 10 years. Uh, I can, I'm considered the final stop in a health detective because I will diligently identify the issue and course of action for any client to get them exactly where they want to be. So I kind of grouped two things together there. Let's, let's pick apart the first part, which is so powerful. The fact that you lost 90 pounds and you've kept that anybody can lose weight to keep it off different story. So bring us into like, what, what was going down with you? Um, yeah. So, and it's funny. Cause when I talk about my weight loss, I actually don't talk about my weight loss being like the most positive part of my journey, which is interesting because I feel like people usually wear their weight loss as like a badge of honor. And this is the greatest accomplishment in my life. And I'm like, wow, this is so not the greatest accomplishment in my life, but it is a part of my story. And actually I like to talk about the dark side of weight loss, which is really mm-hmm. that it can cause a lot of issues in the long haul and, and losing it, like you said, can be easy, but what's really going on kind of when we think about physics, like any force is an opposing force. Well, what's the yes. opposing force to weight loss? Um, and that's the question I want to ask. So I grew up in Queens, New York. I'm a native New Yorker, still here, gonna die here. It's just like a thing. You just like stay here forever. It doesn't matter if it's bad or good. It's just like, you're done like for life. So I'll be here forever. Um, I grew up in Queens, which is like in the best way possible. One of the most diverse places in the entire world. Um, I had an awesome upbringing. I had like a bunch of friends. I went to high school. There was like 5,000 students in my high school. I was class con in my high school. I had like an amazing, full, beautiful life. I always had 
this one thing about me, which was that I occupied a larger body up until the age of about 17. And I grew up in this place where body diversity, racial diversity, gender diversity, these things are so celebrated. So I knew going away to college, I was like, everyone knows me. I'm Michelle Shapiro. It's fine. Going away to college. I'm like, oh, I can't just go away to like a homogenous school. Like I went to the university of Delaware and they're just going to be like, yeah, it's cool that you're like weird and from New York and, and these things about you that have been so accepted, not the weight being weird, but I, I was weird in other ways. These things about me that were so accepted, including my weight, I knew were going to be an issue when I'm going to a place that is a lot of one size people, one looked people. Um, and I'm like, I really considered that. And I said, you know what, I'm just going to lose weight before I go away to college. Cause I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to have to rebuild an identity. And unfortunately society places a tremendous amount of value on the size of us. So I was like, I'm going to just roll with what society wants. So I rapidly lost weight and I would never recommend anyone do this, but I really lost like 90 pounds in three months. And it is such a trigger warning. And so not what I would recommend to anyone else, but I'm the type of person where when I say I'm going to do something, I'm definitely going to do something. So I'm going to do it probably so hard that it's going to hurt me. Um, So I basically just severely calorie restricted in that amount of time. I adopted a vegan diet. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Which for me, the reason I was doing a vegan diet was because it was really a front for disordered eating and Mm -hmm. essentially went to college and while I was a healthy person, when I started my weight loss journey, I ended up being a really sick person. I had thyroid issues. I had panic attacks. My stomach was constantly hurting me. And I kind of assumed the identity of someone who was really sick all the time. I I couldn't do the same things I used to do. And really my journey back from that um, is where I really gained health. And I, I, I started using the help of a naturopathic physician in the beginning. And in my studies to become a registered dietitian was like, this is, I want that. What is going on there? I like this approach a lot and and realized that's what I wanted to do. And I really didn't achieve full healing until I really engrossed myself into functional medicine, functional nutrition, and naturopathic healing methods. And, And that's really where I got my health back. So while the weight loss was a piece of my story, that is, uh, I definitely was a challenge. Um, and I certainly reaped a lot of benefits from the weight loss too, because societally, I was accepted much more in these homogenous places, which for better or for worse is the reality for people. So to say to people like, no, you don't have to lose weight. Society doesn't care. Like, unfortunately the, the world we live in does care a lot and I reaped benefits from that. So that's absolutely true. And then I had to kind of claw my way back to health. So I really want my clients to never do what I did. I'm like, it took me years to become healthy again after three months of damage that caused five years, let's say of long-term damage. Mm-hmm. So I want my clients to lose weight right the first time. I want them to reverse their anxiety and gut issues right the first time so that they don't have to go through it the wrong way. Kind of like I did. I love it. Well, yeah. I mean, it, cause, and that's exactly what I was saying. It's like, you, you know, you know what it feels like, you know, the detriments that come with, um, just not being healthy because let's, let's make this very clear just because you lose weight or because you're, you know, quote unquote thinner, that does not make you healthy at all. Right. So there's optimal health there's, you know, and then how do we, how do we know what that really is? Not even just from how you feel for sure. That's one kind of metric, uh, but waistline fine, your blood labs, you know, you talked about your thyroid, which I am so excited. I want to dig into that. Let's talk about like the, let's start with maybe stress. You mentioned anxiety. Uh, you know, I'm already registering when you put yourself in that hardcore position to lose 
that much weight in that small window of time, that is an extreme amount of stress that you put your body through. So I think that that's maybe a good place to kind of tease apart. What were you feeling? What, you know, what are some of the bio feedbacks that you were, because some people may not even be aware of the stress that they're actually going that the body's going through right now. So hearing, you know, what you went through or even what you see in your practice, I think could be really supportive. A hundred percent. Yeah. And you're so on the money and you just brought up such a brilliant point, which is that anxiety is much more of a physical mechanism than it is mental. So often when we hear people have anxiety, we say to them, like, just calm down. I'm like, well, that's first of all, never going to work, especially not to women. Definitely not going to work to women. I'll tell you (laughs) that right now. Okay. But for sure, the way that I view anxiety is that it's basically an alarm signal from your body. So I was so severely starved at that point that my body was screaming at me, Michelle, please do something. And that was coming in the way of altering different functions in my body in the way of panic attacks and all these things. And really the distinct way that my body grappled with that severe loss and that feeling of starvation was just sending me like pounding heart, like, constantly all day. I had, I was nauseous all the time. I didn't feel like I wanted to engage in life. I was, I was really having these full blown panic attacks all the time. And I had no idea what they were coming from. Of course I was bouncing around from doctor to doctor prescription, prescription, here you go, you know, take this, take this. And it's like, um, one doctor even told me, I think you should lose more weight. And then I think that your anxiety will go away. Like you're still, you're still considered, you know, not in the most optimal weight. You're in the normal weight range, but you should be more in the like lower end of the weight range. Um, So the kind of answers I got from doctors were really antithetical. Love doctors, amazing work that everyone is doing. but Um, But the answers I got from those doctors were really antithetical to what my body needed. So only addressing those nutrient deficiencies and that huge alarm signal, which was just my body being like, we are not safe. Like if you think Mm -hmm. about our body being like cave women, right? Like Mm -hmm. this is our body's way of communicating with us. There's a bear coming, right? There's a lot Mm -hmm. of different ways that our body's communicating us. There's a bear there. If we have a nutrient deficiency, there's a bear, but all we hear is the anxiety. And then we want to kind of suppress the anxiety, but that's not really what we should be doing. We want to amplify it because I want to know what's going on. So when I feel anxious now, I'm like, what do you need, girl? Like what's, what's happening yes. here? What do, what do we need? What have I done to you? Tell me what's going on. Um, yeah. So with the way that my body was communicating to me that there was a nutrient deficiency, that there was starvation, that there was a tremendous shift was just through giving me anxiety. And our body is super compensatory. So if we lose a tremendous amount of weight, our thyroid is going to say, oh, wait, maybe now we don't need to run as efficiently because either there's less of us or we're not going to get the nutrients we need. I'm going to operate at a lower level essentially. So everything that kind of happens in our body has an opposing compensatory response. So I work in New York city. My clients are all executives in New York city. We are like the most pounding with cortisol stress hormones yeah. that could ever exist. Um, and really what I work on with my clients, cause they're like, it's so weird, Michelle. I keep waking up every night at 3 a.m., you know, Great. at the exact same time, you know, the cortisol window. Yeah. yeah. Same time where they're having these mysterious symptoms that are coming out because of stress. And my target isn't really the symptoms. It's we have to get to the root of like what's really going on here, which is that you're having a tremendous amount of cortisol pulsing through your body all day. And we have to address what's really going on lifestyle wise. Yeah, no, it's so huge. And again, like the, I think the subject just of stress, um, in general right now is such a powerful one considering, you know, the climate. And I know even in my coaching, um, practice with my girls, uh, you know, when, when, when they're experiencing anxiety, 
you know, my approach is very like from a neuroscience perspective, you go bottom up, outside in, top down, bottom up, everything related to physiology, your genes, your nutrition, your, you know, so when you're talking to me about like the doctors, um, you know, giving, telling you lose more weight or giving you the pills, my thought is like, is anybody asking you how, how are you sleeping? You know, these kind of important questions that go into what you, where you just left us, uh, which to me is, is real, it's, it's, it's where you need to be investigating. It's that root cause, like what is really going on underneath, you know, all the layers, um, you know, and it's, it, it takes a lot more work and a lot more digging, but when you, you know, for example, like, again, if my girl comes to me and she's like, I'm just feeling really anxious, the last thing I'm going to do is be like, oh, here, let's just think positive affirmations or I love journaling. It's a power weapon of, of mine to kick ass in life, but I'm not just hanging out with you up here because I understand that there's, like you said so beautifully, that your body is screaming at you because there's some kind of deficiency or imbalance uh, that's happening. And and specifically, and this will take us somewhere that I really want to, I want to um, um, dive into with you. Women specifically, we are, <laughs> we are designed to really like not, I mean, certainly not be obese, but also not be super low body fat percentage. Like no nature wants us to survive, to create humans. Right. And then if that becomes a danger, a trigger, like when we start to get super low, that's why some girls, you know, start to lose their period and all this and the thyroid. So where I wanted to go with you, um, is, you know, when we think about hormones specifically, you know, men and women obviously have hormones, but I think it would be really powerful to touch on the importance of, so one part, the importance of keeping your hormones really happy. How do we do that? And then perhaps maybe giving some, um, you know, feedback markers that you've experienced or you experienced with your, you know, your, your clients, uh, when their hormones are being thrown off, because let's be real, like, most people aren't seeing an integrated physician. It's just not how our health system is set up these days. People are walking around um, feeling, women are walking around feeling all these symptoms, but not really sure what the fuck is going on. So I think it, you know, and then thinking like, it's just how you are supposed to, it's like, no, you're, you're not mm. supposed to feel tired or stressed out all the time. You're not supposed to be losing hair or bloated. So yeah, if we can touch on the hormone, and you know what, we talked about that in our last phone call too, how there's kind of this new wave of, I think a lot of health is kind of measuring what you should be accepting, tolerating, or trying to change. And I think what's happening right now is we're accepting way more than we should be accepting. Like there's all these pictures online and we were talking about it with people who are like really bloated and they're writing like, this is normal. And I'm like, Oh no, it's not. That's no, super not. not normal. And you really need support. Like, and not that I'm going to tell them that, but I'm looking at it and I'm like, Oh my gosh, no, you don't have to feel that way. There's a, you know, with chronic illness specifically, cause almost all of my clients are suffering with some form of chronic illness in, in one way or another. Every single piece of it is this balance of what should we accept and tolerate. And I can tell you in America, we just accept that when you're 50 years old, you're like sick and you're done and you should be on 10 medications. We accept exactly. that you feel bloated every single day. This is like absolutely not what we should be accepting. Your hormones should be like really balanced. You should not be losing all of your hair there. I, I don't like the word should both of us don't like the word should, uh, yeah. but that is not, you know, that's not the baseline that I want us to achieve for. And, and really the difference between when I say conventional medicine and functional medicine or conventional and functional nutrition is that 
Functional medicine, like you said, really tries to look for what the root cause of it is. So an example of that for people who don't know, but if they're listening to your podcast, they definitely know. Um, But Mm -hmm. I'll I'll, I'll do it for everyone anyways, is if you had a thyroid issue and you went to a conventional medicine doctor, the likelihood is they're going to give you a thyroid medication. That's Mm -hmm. possibly a pig's thyroid. And then you take it exogenous thyroid from someone else or something else, right? So when you go to a functional medicine doctor or nutritionist, we want to know why is your body doing that? Why isn't your body producing thyroid hormone? What's blocking your body from producing thyroid hormone? Or why is your body underproducing it? How can we boost your body's natural ability to do that? So what I do in my practice and and kind of back to the question you asked is I'm looking for those signals with clients. So I'm like, hmm, your hair's feeling like it's falling out. You're waking up every day at 3 a.m. You're tired every day at 2 p.m. I'm getting those context clues. And what I think is a downfall of functional medicine doctors actually love you guys is that they're really testing first and not asking questions first. And I know with your girls Mm. and your group, you're always asking the right questions, but in all medical care, we should be asking the right questions. That's, what's really important. So I'm going to get more information from a client asking them about their day. And and they're not realizing when they're telling me something, I'm like drawing a puzzle in my head and I'm like, Oh, okay. This goes there. And that goes there. And that's connects that. Okay. I got it. And I'm trying to kind of pull those answers, maybe asking some leading questions too, to get that information from them. And I think that testing first is really like, and most people cannot afford functional medicine testing. Realistically, right. it's, it's super expensive. If I could change one thing about the world, that would make that I've, testing like- Me and you, sister, I'm, I'm with you. I know. Right? Like we yeah. would, I mean, it's like so life-changing and the most advanced science possible. And it's so unbelievable. And I wish everyone had access to it. And I'm working on something to hopefully try to make that more feasible if possible. But I really asking yourself, like, what is kind of the baseline of what I expect for myself? And am I meeting that baseline? And asking yourself kind of doing a check-in from head to toe, like, how am I feeling in each part of my body? And I implore my clients to do this before going to any healthcare professional too, is really start at the top of your head and work your way down. How is each part of my body feeling? In my head, do I have headaches? Do I have anxiety? Do I have racing thoughts? And move your way down. If anything jumps out at you, it's probably honestly not normal. Like you don't notice the things that are good. So you're not like, my stomach hasn't felt like anything in three days. We don't notice that. We notice when our stomach feels off. We notice when our head is pounding. You don't notice the absence of things, which is really one marker of health is the absence of pain and discomfort. That's the bare minimum of what we want for people. But we don't have to tolerate discomfort all the time. Even if you're struggling with chronic illness, there might be a 1% thing you can do to optimize and feel a little bit better. There's definitely some acceptance of the ebbs and flows, but tolerating discomfort all the time, it really doesn't have to be that way for everyone. So I guess my ultimate advice for people to start with is just check in with yourself a lot. Like if you think you're checking with yourself, check in with yourself more, see what's going on with you. And don't compare yourself to the baseline of sick Americans because 60% of us approximately are are struggling with chronic illness. Compare yourself to the baseline of probably Europeans or something. Don't, don't go off of our standards. Our standards are whack. Like don't go off standards. They're completely (laughs) messed up. Yeah. Maybe like people living on the island in Okinawa, check them out and see. <laughs> yeah, like That's the baseline. Like, are they having bloating all day? Like they're yes. not like, I'm just going to tell you like spoiler alert. They're not. And that's really the difference between conventional and functional medicine too, is functional medicine, whereby in conventional medicine, I'll take it back to the thyroid. Perhaps they're looking at a range of zero to 4.5. 
in functional medicine, we look at a much smaller range and functional nutrition mm-hmm. too. When I say functional medicine, I'm a functional yeah, yeah. Nutrition, not doctor, but um, we look at a smaller range. So it might be zero to 2.5 because we don't want the, the conventional standards or the average of all people, some no. of, and many of whom are sick. We want the average of healthy people. We want you to be yes. the average of the average, not the average of the sick. So that's really like that, that framework has to change with people. We have to stop accepting that these completely abnormal bodily reactions that are totally intolerable are acceptable. They're not. No, you're so, I love you for saying that. It's so true. It's so powerful. And even the messaging, um, around, I mean, uh, you know, body positivity, listen, I'm, I'm an empowerment coach. I'm all about owning your shit, but like, let's not pretend like if you are not in a, your healthiest state and health is a complex subject. It's also, you know, what does health even really mean? Again, go back to, I always like blood labs, even though that's a snapshot moment. Right. But when you do it consistently and I get it, that's not the norm for people um, because it's just not that accessible. But when you do it with somewhat of consistency, you're able to see your markers and, and where, where you're, where you're coming from and where you're going, you know, where you're at certainly. Um, So I, I do believe that yes, own yourself. And, you know, and I know that this really, you know, goes into your practice, like specifically, um, you know, when you, when you're helping your clients, to lose weight, to get in more of a, you know, optimal body composition, you have a very unique way, or I find it to be unique, um, and very important way to be supporting them, you know, on that journey. It's not this like kill yourself, you know, do anything, obviously extremely, you know what that's about. It is, I think, and please elaborate, let's, let's dive into this area, but it's this, you know, holding compassion for yourself. And, you know, in my language, it's like being on your team, like be your fucking best friend on this journey, because it is a journey and it is a process and it'll likely kick you in the ass at many points in the journey. So you being on your team in that process, not only is it going to feel better, but I believe, and I'm sure you can speak on this. Um, it will give you better and more long-standing results. Damn straight. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> we, you know, we talk, no, yes. And by the way, I just, when you talk about your girls and you talk about your people, I feel very like warm. I feel very excited for them that they get to work with you. I do. Like, I just oh. praise for you really, truly. Love you. Um, yeah. So I, I think that let's make the distinction first between like what's kind of going on in the nutrition world right now. We know there's like so much tribalism. It's so intense. There's like this person's only paleo and this person says intermittent fasting. And it becomes like this weird religion, identity, virtue signaling, like super, it's like become really weird. I don't even know. We've talked it's just like so weird right now and so intense and like everyone's wrong because like it always comes down to the individual. So there are people who would do yes. tremendously well on a ketogenic diet. There are people who do tremendously well not making food changes because their psyche is not ready to do that. It completely depends on the person. So part of the nutrition world division is between, you know, kind of conventional diet, what we would consider like dieting, fed dieting, diet culture, let's say, and then maybe like health at every size, the body positivity movement. So there's Mm -hmm. tremendous merits in the body positivity movement. And you apply all of them in your business and your life, which is that every single person deserves to be treated morally and and treated fairly and equally. That is unquestionably true. There's no way you would ever deny that. Where I get a little lost in this movement and like, you don't understand a dietitian saying this is like, I could be killed. I could be killed with a stake for this, but where I get lost in the movement is 
where does the compassion for the person's physical self start and the compassion for their mental self kind of end? Like, where are those limits? So to me, being non-compassionate to someone, because there's a difference between being nice and being compassionate, right? Being Absolutely. nice is like, you are perfect the way you are. Don't change a thing. Everything is great. Donuts are the same thing as apples. Everything is wonderful. Mm-hmm. To me, that's being like nice. What compassionate would be is like, where are you at right now? How are you feeling in your relationship with food? If you're not ready to change it, amazing. Let's live there. And the moment you're ready to change it, I will be there to support you in that. And I will take you mm-hmm. one tiny step at a time. I have clients who work with me and they might, we might not be talking about food for a couple months. I mean, we yeah. might be talking about lifestyle things really first. And we might be talking about their relationship with food for months before we start talking about food. Some people are not ready for that because they have been so traumatized by the medical system and they have been so traumatized by diet culture. And that is valid because what could be more scary and threatening like our, like our you know, bears in the forest than starving yourself or the idea that you're going to be starved? Your body hates that. We hate starvation. We, our bodies, like you said, especially women's bodies, we're Women. built for preservation. We are built yes. for preservation and our bodies will compensate in every way. We are like divine beings that are meant to <laughs> stay on earth and procre- not meant only, Bruh. but as part of our genetics. <laughs> literally the fan, take the fan out again. When I say divine, every time I say divine, the fan comes out. Exactly. But our bodies are built to protect us and protect others. Women are yes. so nurturing, protective. And this is part of our of our genetic code. This is so important to our hormones. So anytime that you even think you might not get food, you hear the word diet, you are threatened. So trust me, I understand the merits of health at every size and body positivity. But when you get people over that hurdle, there's a next step. And the next step is you have to help them chemically to change what's going on inside of their bodies. So I think it's a great first step but I think it totally misses the second step. And there's kind of like 10 steps of intuitive eating, 10 parts. And number nine is like gentle nutrition. And it's like, well, I understand the pacing again, but it needs to be like really important because like we said, your physiology dictates your mental health. So if you're eating garbage foods, and I can say that because now also saying that like Coca-Cola is bad has become like criminal. Coca-Cola is crap. Okay. And it's poison for people. And if saying that is like super shaming, I can, I'm going to shame the food companies all day. I think it's disgusting what they do. I'm not shaming the person for consuming it, but I'm going to shame the food companies. It's freaking gross what they're doing. I'm with you. I didn't, I, I I must be under a rock because I I didn't know that that was even, do you get in trouble? Like, do people get mad at you for that? Oh like, yeah. Oh. I actually, so Krispy Kreme gave incentives for right. a certain medical right. thing. Um, right. And basically I posted like, shame on you, Krispy Kreme, because that can reduce your immune system function for six hours after eating it. So you're literally trying to give something to boost immune function while you're derailing someone's immune function. Total shame on you. And we know that the relationship between chronic illness and food is so potent and strong. How could we just totally dismiss that for the sake of being kind? I think right. being kind and being nice and being compassionate is actually helping people to not be hospitalized with diabetes. That's what I think being kind and compassionate is. Not telling people everything's okay because I'm going to be there when they're in the hospital with diabetes. Other people aren't, and that's I'm going to be there, and I'm going to hate it for that. So I'm going to yeah. make sure that you know I'm giving those messages soothingly and lovingly, but that we are going to get them to a point. You have to progress. You can't stay in sickness. You have to move out of it when you're ready, but eventually you have to. And sometimes it's time sensitive. 
Oh my goodness. You are such a light. I love that. And um, I'm so with you. I want to kind of pull, put a little pin and talk about this. Um, You know how you're saying your, the food is really going to affect your, your mindset. Talk about that all the time. Um, You know, in my own life, I, you know, I grew up eating Taco Bell and I mean, certainly home cooked meals as well, but like through high school and all that, you know, I was on the American diet and, um, I'm so grateful actually that I can say, I know I've lived on both sides. Like I've been, first of all, I've done so many diets, like through my twenties because I got injured. I gained this weight. And then it was like trying to get to homeostasis, my athlete mesomorph body type, um, which I had no tools. I didn't know anything at the time, you know? So it was like, let me try this. Let me try that, you know? Um, until I finally cracked the code. Yeah. (laughs) The master cleanse girl, like it was real. Um, it's almost embarrassing, but it's like, you know, I was in my twenties, but, but the, the part though, that when I, when I was not eating the, the nutrition that I have been eating now for, you know, decades, grass fed me, um, you know, the, the high micronutrient dense foods and all that, the difference in my resilience, like even just to, to talk about resilience, which is such an important attribute to be moving through life with is it's, it's, it's like a black and white difference, right? Like I, yes, I came out of the womb, a tough motherfucker for sure. And I know that, you know, I know that for sure. (laughs) I've been there. I know it so much, (laughs) but But, and I certainly am someone who my natural disposition is, you know, I'm, I'm an optimist, but, but the difference of clarity, even that resilience that, you know, even the, the, the optimistic lens at life, I can't even tell you the difference of, uh, you know, when the diet started to become more optimal, how it optimized all of that, because, you know, it's like neurotransmitter. I mean, this is a real, we are a system of systems. It's a fucking chemical reaction. So even if you, it's not food shaming or actually, to be honest, I don't give a fuck. Like whatever people want to say, I'm I like labels. Don't, I, I don't care. You know, you could have like, the most perfect me. peach. Go ahead. Yeah, exactly. I'm all, I don't care. Um, because I know who I am. I know my heart. I know my intentions the same as you, like, you know, what you, like you just said, you know, they could be in the hospital. I'm going to be there. So it's like, your heart is in this game for real legitimate reasons that you want to help people. So, you know, when you say things like this, isn't actually going to support your most optimal health. And when we say health, it's not just your body composition, but it's literally your energy levels. It's, it's even the fucking relationship that you have with yourself because all of that is affected, right? It's yeah. You're 100% right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's on a like short-term and a long-term level on like a, on this really high conceptual level, if you're starving yourself, like, and by the way, thank you for sharing that um, too. I really, I, I wanted to hear your story too. So I'm glad you shared that too. But like every single woman in their twenties is on like a hundred diets. Like the idea yeah. that you are so effortlessly trying to make yourself smaller is not going to mm. lead to you having a bigger life. So constantly thinking, how do I take food away from myself? And literally petrifying your body and petrifying yourself and saying to yourself, this is all you're getting today. So you can't get anything tomorrow. I mean, it really is a a form of psychological torture. So there has to be a way to kind of like gently move yourself, but you can't like your body can't catch onto it. Cause if your body catches onto it again, those, 
preservation compensation methods start coming into play and they come into play really quickly. And then when it comes to anxiety and food, something that inflames your gut, like your vagus nerve that connects your brain, your gut, like it's a super information highway. Like anything that impacts your gut is going to impact your brain almost immediately. And again, it will affect you in the short term and the long term. And the super easy, silly example is like, if I eat gluten, I don't get any stomach upset at all. I just get weird brain fog and depression like for a day. And I will literally be like, Jeremy, my boyfriend, I'm like, did I, what was in that sushi yesterday? Did I have spicy tuna or something? And I'll realize (laughs) I had soy sauce yesterday, like something so silly like that. But when you also are like a biohacker, you know, those like minutiae and you know what's going on. And and we were talking about the aura ring before, but like, I'll see differences in my sleep. Yeah. I'll see differences in like my sleep and everything like that, because I'm at that minute level. Most people are so sick chronically they don't even know what impacts them at all. And they're trying a hundred different things at once. And that's confusing the signals even more. So it's yeah. like, you, you kind of have to strip down to baseline and, and check in with where you're at, but you're a hundred percent, right? Every food, you're literally eating chemicals, every food you eat. And it also sends the spiritual signal. You're only getting grilled chicken. And I always think of grilled, like a bodybuilder diet is like grilled chicken and brown rice, like, or sweet potatoes. You're only getting like grilled chicken and brown rice. Like, well, I really want something else. Like you're like attacking your body's wants and needs by like depriving it of those nutrients. So how you approach your body is also really important. And physically what you put in is the most important messenger you're giving to your body. Yes. The psychology is essential. And additionally, the chemical piece, the biological piece is essential too. both are all three are so important for overall health. Um, it's so good. And it kind of bridges me into a zone that I, I wanted to talk to you about too, because I, you know, it, I think there's all this like language and the kind of conception around being healthy. When people are like, Oh, you eat so healthy. I'm like, really? Is that what you call it? I just call it quality. Now that could sound very snobbish, but it's not, it's like, well, what opposes healthy? What am I going to be eating? I don't want, I don't want garbage. I don't want things that, you know, so it's really like, I just have a very quality driven diet, you know, that is very tailored for me, my needs, my age, by standards of performance, I'm an athlete, all that stuff, but it doesn't have to be, I can tell you for sure in my world, it is not extreme. It is not, there's no deprivation. It's just that my taste buds don't want the same things that maybe a lot of other people think is so yummy. But to me, I'm like, I, you know, I want that wild salmon. That's yummy to me. Not Ooh, that, you know what I mean? salmon. You know, and, and no judgment to whatever you think is yummy to you. It's just that, that, you know, my, my, my grand point here that I'd love for you to, to, to talk about is that, you know, being healthy and having a very quality driven diet does not have to be a, a you know, deprivating uh, experience or some kind. And I think that that's what scares people a, a lot is like, oh, because food is so fucking emotional. Oh. you know, right. That's, you're yeah, you're like, you're preaching to the choir girl. It is. It's a, it's, and it's also, there's this really beautiful cultural piece of food too, right? Like getting food locally from what, and what your ancestors might've eaten, that's going to impact your, now this like study of nutrigenomics, which is how like your nutrition can impact it. your genome is like the coolest stuff in the entire world. And I'm My like, favorite. Always when something really awesome happens scientifically, I'm like, is everything else I know terrible? Like, do I have to just quit my job now and just yes. do this? And like, you would get so pumped where you're like, everything else is worthless. Now I must do <laughs> nutrigenomics. Like, that's it. 
it. You know, it's like every, and I love that about science so much. And I hate dismissing science for that reason too, because it's so powerful, but yeah, there's so many different things that can impact our food choices and the conversations we're having around food. This is like, oh, I'm going to get in huge trouble. I'm just getting in trouble today. Let's do a trouble thing today. Let's do it. So I feel like like right now, like the, the deal is that we're talking a lot about these standards of what's considered normal and acceptable. And we've really been warped on that. Like in a different country, it would not at all be normal to eat like bowls of sugary cereal for breakfast. But if you don't eat bowls of sugary, sugary cereal for breakfast here, you're like, you're like have an eating disorder. You're like, how could you not eat sugary cereal for breakfast? Like, why are you restraining yourself so much? And it's like, nowhere in the world is the standard that you should have like diet Coke at every meal and like sugary cereal for breakfast. And I'm not like, I'm not like specifically hating on sugary cereal, but as an example, like children are served sugar. It's literally sugar cubes, like refined sugar cubes for breakfast when their brains desperately need development. That's full of like refined oils and refined sugars. Like, right. It's, it's to me, like when, you know, you're like, that's asinine. Like that's terrible. It's like, they're the future of our world and we're serving them literally toxic foods. And and when I say toxic, meaning it can cause an aversive reaction in the body or one that's unintended that you don't want, not poisonous technically, but definitely toxic reaction, inflammatory reaction in the body. And then we're confused at when this standard kind of became, I, I'm confused that when this became real and I'll actually say I did the, a poll on my stories and I was like, where did the freaking standard American diet come from? And you know, the standard American diet, which is like sodas, cookies, crackers. It's like kind yeah. of like a lot of refined carbs and a lot of processed meats and things like that. Like, I'm like, when did that become normal? And the answer is quite literally in the industrial revolution. Like exactly. this idea of what food is, is like, from a food processing perspective, it has nothing to do with human health. It has nothing to do with our spiritual or physical needs in any way. And what people are basing the standard of, oh, Roxy, eats so she's like a freak. She eats so healthy. Like she's a health freak. Exactly. Is, is completely incorrect based on, based on what, what some people in like the late 1700s or like late, late 1800s determined was like appropriate, like for our <laughs> health. Like what? No, I don't care. Or like in the 1970s when they started like vilifying saturated fat, like because those random, like probably white dudes determined that like now I have to eat a certain way. Like I'm like, that's so ridiculous. So the standard for which we live our lives in America is incorrect. It's it's incorrect against every other country. And we're the only country that is like as developed as our country is. And that has these rates of chronic illness. It is absolutely insane that we have these rates of chronic illness and the amount of money in our healthcare system and our food system. It's just, it's, it's criminal. Truly. It, it really is criminal. And, and that standard of Roxy and Michelle, they're, oh my God, like they only want to eat like food. That's actually food. Like, no, it's like that. Yeah. That's normal in any other place. And I'll, my cousins are Austrian. And when they visit me here, they'll go to the fanciest restaurants in New York. They're sick from the food here, yeah. just because yeah. there's so much more. And, and if you want to speak to your experience about that too, but it's that standard, like that's where did this, it's not the right standard to live by. That's not it. Ours is probably normal in other places, the way that we yeah. have normal here. Well, it's, you know, a, a couple things, I think, because, you know, the diet, I, I know mine and I'm almost certainly yours too, is it's closer to this kind of ancestral time. Like it's, it's whole it's, I'm not even going to start to, you know, label it's not paleo, it's not, but it's, it's, it's real food. You know, it's food that, because food is information and it's that information that's 
supporting the thyroid. It's, it's giving us the amino acids that our bodies are craving and need. It's, it's all that the, the dopamine, the serotonin, um, but to put it simply, it's like, yeah, just whole, whole nutritious foods. Um, and then the, sorry, you said Austrian. I had to pick because I've spent a lot of time in Austria. Uh, I lived in oh, Paris at one cool. point. Yeah. And so I know the diet and it is so clean and, and, and it's not, you know, all the vegetable oils and all these additives that it's kind of sad because people don't realize, um, what actually is in their food. Oftentimes when you're eating out a lot, especially, so you might think, you know, that it's this healthy thing, but it's, it's not, or just because it's expensive, like you said, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be good for you. Um, you know, I think this kind of brings me to this idea that I, I, I think is important to share and, and would love your thoughts on this, but you know, the most empowering thing an individual can do is to be a critical thinker, first of all, and to turn down the noise on all the diet talk and all the, all, and really investigate self, like the beautiful advice you gave earlier, you know, like scan yourself. If you're not supposed to be having headaches, you know, I mean, there's things like even eczema, which, you know, I I know it's, I'm not going to get deep into that, but we know that like your gut health can be contributing to that. I mean, there's so many, so many things. So it's like the most empowering advice I feel right now in this point of the conversation is, you know, investigate self and put your health in your hands and figure out, don't just, don't just be fed what you are seeing or reading. I mean, I know in my own life, and again, this is a long time ago, I'm 43, you know, so my twenties were a couple decades ago. Well, but okay. (laughs) Like 43 forever be. You're crazy. Like I can't, you know what, actually, let me share this. This is fun. I went and I did a DEXA scan and it was almost six years to the day, literally where I had done it before. Uh, my body fat percentage went from 17 to 18, which means nothing. Cause next week it's like, I'm, I'm probably at 17 again. Who cares about that? Um, I mean, it was great, you know, cause it's still very optimal, but this is what I was so proud of Michelle, oh. 43 years old. My fucking bone density got stronger. That's it, and you lose badass. so much bone density after the age of 30 as a woman. That's unbelievably amazing. And I so was essential and important. Can we shout out Gabrielle for a second? I was literally going. <laughs> I can't talk about bones and muscles without Gabrielle Lyon. Are you kidding? Dr. Gabrielle Lyon, she had to come up. Of course she had to. But I was waiting for but no and, first thing I was like, Gabrielle, I I was like, I was so proud. And I, you know, we were facing and I told her, and she was like, that's it. She's like, we've seen that. And I, and hey, and let me say this. And this is listen, do you diet, you want to be vegan, you want, I'm not here to dictate any diet or whatever. But when I was that six years ago when I did that scan, I wasn't eating meat. I started mm-hmm. eating red meat, and I've been, I mean, I have steak for breakfast, you know. Um I know here, if you ask me, like, what do you think the contributing factors were? I would tell you in three, three parts. Number one, eating high quality red meat consistently through the week. Number two, fucking lifting heavy weight consistently through the week. Number three, supplementation to optimize, you know, uh, certain things, but those are the three factors. And, you know, also just a good piece to, uh, to point out that like the diet played a big role. And so, you know, when I say age like a badass and you don't have to fall apart, you're right. Especially women, bone density is like a real 
it becomes a real issue in these later decades of life, but it doesn't have to necessarily be that you're just becoming more decrepit and more fragile. Like, fuck, you can get stronger in every part of your being. You know, I, yeah, just had to share that. Cause and that you was are really... living proof of that. And I think that's an amazing story. And that is so freaking cool. <laughs> it's, it is like, it's insanely, the body fat can change a lot more. Like yeah. you said, like it's impressive. It's cool. It's fun, but your bone density is insanely important. And the fact that you were able to maintain it or build it in that time um, you're go- you are in some ways going against not only the American grade, but the body's grain. So that's pretty unbelievable. <laughs> and like something Thank really you. to be very proud of and to aspire to and love grass fed red meat rock on. I love and- it. <laughs> Seriously. And not our girl Gabrielle. advice, but rock on. Yeah. I'm into it. I love it. Let me ask you. So let's yeah. get into like tactics and tips and strategies because, you know, I mean, we've talked a lot about like concepts and you know, the importance of things, but I know our, you know, audience is like, okay, well tell me what the fuck to do. So, um, you know, what would you say are, if you had to kind of give, cause obviously health is complex. It's so bio-individual. So it's not like you can prescribe one thing for, you know, universally, but if you had to say like three things that could be universally supportive, you know, to, to help, to optimize an individual's health, can you point out whether it's diet related lifestyle, whatever it is, hundred percent. So I'll, I'll do, we'll do three. And the first one, I'm going to do like a fun game with you. And if you're listening, they're going to do it with us. Okay. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes with the fan. The fan can keep going, whatever you want. Okay. (laughs) So I want you to keep your eyes closed. And if you're listening, I want you guys to do this with me. And I want you to picture where an orange comes from. Answers, Roxy, where's an orange come from? What are you thinking of? A tree. A tree, a bush. We're New Yorkers are like, not sure. Like we've never seen a farm. We're like, we don't know, but you know, somewhere, Florida, maybe something like that. You know, there's commercials about that. Yeah. So right, think of nature. Okay. If you keep your eyes closed, everyone, I want you to picture where an Oreo comes from. <laughs> Instantly, you're like a factory. Like people are like, yeah, exactly. like, wrong company. But yeah, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, so exactly. <laughs> If in general there's food in front of you and you think that at some point in time it came to you from a farm, it's probably a better bet than something that was highly processed in a factory. The closer we can get to the source, the better. And that will lead into like ultimately what my big tip is, which is become connected to the food that you're eating. So I have my clients do this experiment where we, and I would do it with your girls anytime if you wanted me to, but where we really mindfully eat food. And I I feel like that term has been like stolen, honestly, by like different wellness communities, but really becoming connected to the food that you're eating and asking like, where did this come from? Like, if it's a blueberry, like, what does it look like? Like, I obviously have like an avocado sitting here for no reason. Like, I, I don't know. Obviously. I was like an in-between client's snack or something. I don't know what it was, but I do that. Like, I'll rip it open. Um, but like, all right, how did this avocado, this busted up avocado that I love, get to me? Like, how many chops do you think it took for this specific avocado to land in front of me? Like, what could this avocado be doing for me? And really sit with your food and connect with your food. Not like, you know, you don't have to like fall in love with your, you can, and that would be good, but not about falling in love with it, but understanding where did it come from and how did it get to you and thinking about the kind of circle of life that it took to get there. That in and of itself is a hack because you're really going to be able to change your chemistry and thinking also, which I'll bring to my second tip and 
These are not the conventional tips you think of, which is like this many calories. But when you're eating and I'm adjusting myself because my posture is really rough, but when you're eating, think about like, how is your food getting through your body, right? Your digestive system's super long and windy and there's all this stuff going on with it. It has to go through a lot of different processes. But if you're sitting like this, right, you're mushing your organs together, you're pushing acid up. That's what's going to lead to like reflux and bloating and gas. But try to sit up when you're eating your meals, trying to chew slowly and connecting with your food. The process of digestion is chemical as much as it's biological, as much as it's spiritual, there's different components going on. There's different pieces of your digestion that's happening. And every single piece of your digestion has to be done in a parasympathetic state, which means you must be relaxed. So connecting to your food is super relaxing. That's going to make your digestion work better. And I work with people who have severe digestive issues who come to me after they've been to 10 different doctors. They've gotten every medication, every scan, and they come to me and say, this is it. Like, I'm not doing anything after this, Michelle. If you can't figure it out, I'm done. Like I'm going on a medication. See you later. And I'm going to suffer. And I don't, I don't care because I can't do anymore basically. And honestly, the first thing I tell people when it comes to weight loss, digestion, anxiety is connect to your food, slow down and watch how you're sitting while you're eating. That's the most important thing in the world, honestly. And then I would say also like in that connecting with the food and finding, do that little experiment with yourself. Like, is this from a farm or is this from a factory? Like a lot of food gets processed in a factory, but we know we've seen avocados in the wild. We know that they're, you know, from trees and stuff like that. We know, right? New Yorkers know we're, we're smart. We know what's going on with farming. Um, but you know, we see, we see farms. There's one in like the Bronx. We see farms. Um, Um, but in thinking about how did this food get to me and thinking about what can this food do for me? And, you know, there's, there's parts of the Jewish religion that are really powerful. And I've spoken to some awesome Orthodox leaders who were like, you know, if you cut a carrot open, it looks like an eye when you're looking at it through and like an avocado looks like a pregnant woman because it's excellent for pregnancy and thinking about also those religious, cultural, ancestral pieces of food and what the kind of communication is between the food and yourself. That's like the most important thing. And that will abide by every single diet camp. Every single diet camp will agree with that. You don't have to worry about kind of going in one direction or the other. And then the answer is also, I guess those would be like tips one and two, which is eating slowly, mindfully, and connectedly eating with a gorgeous posture. And then I guess tip number three would be stop listening to anyone but yourself. I have this phrase for, I have a, a online program, quiet the diet and my trademark yes. is like, yeah. it's like master your health by listening to yourself. So it's really about making all of the thoughts that are going on in your head suppressed to the point where you can actually learn from yourself on a subconscious level, what you actually need. That's not going to be translated. Like I, I really need four bites of tomato salad right now. It'll never be that direct. And when people say it's that direct, I think that's a little bit silly too. I don't think it's that direct, but really listening to your body of like, what, what, and kind of on an overall level does my body need? And what am I feeling? Check in with yourself 10 times more than you think you need to tap into yourself. I promise every single one of my clients, they are going to know way more about their health than I am. I am like a mirror to my clients. I'm not any, I'm not an expert. I'm not anything. I'm just a mirror sitting in front of them. Here's what you (laughs) just told me. What do you got? And they're like, Oh, every time I'm sick, it's because I'm like hunched over my desk and eating really quickly. And on these, you know, like I have a client who's a lawyer and screaming at people all day. That's what's going on. And I'm like, yes, you just said that. I didn't tell you anything. So really you can honestly ask yourself a lot of questions. Sometimes you need lab testing. Sometimes you need a lot more support one-on-one, mm-hmm. but in general, the start of your health journey asks, starts with asking yourself the right questions checking in with yourself and not judging yourself for what you're feeling. And then like you would say, like, just be a badass and like, don't accept 
feeling crappy. You do not have to mm-hmm. accept feeling crappy. And the one thing I would say about what we said before is like in this country to be healthy, you kind of have to be a freak. Like you kind of have yeah. to be a freak. And it, at baseline, you're going to be sick in this country. 60% of our country is struggling with chronic illness. And they're actually, most of the people in our country are actually fighting for their health. So they're not just doing nothing. They're trying. Okay. So you have to overcome a lot in this country to be at baseline healthy and it stinks. But if you can gear yourself up for the fight using really compassionate methods, checking in with yourself, you can get there. I've seen that. However, many of my clients have worked with thousands of clients in New York before I've seen so many of my clients get there. It is 100% possible. So even if you're at the lowest point and you're like, I will, ne- I will always feel like this. I promise there's a way I, what I can guarantee you can feel 1% better. And then you work from there. So just be totally a badass by being extremely compassionate to yourself and knowing that you are the expert of your body. No one knows your body more than you do. I mean, girl, where's the mic? <laughs> Get the fan out. Get the fan out. Exactly. <laughs> Woo! Sweating over here. You are so badass. Okay, a couple of things before we start to, to wrap up. That was so powerful and so, so empowering and valuable to, to everyone taking this in. Um, man, I valid, let me, I want to validate you from neuroscience. Um, cause I don't know if you know that about me, but I'm actually a geek and you know, I'm in a neuroscience I do, and academy. I desperately like, need yeah. your validation. So please, yeah. <laughs> please validate me through neuroscience. The two things I want validation from neuroscience and Roxy. Yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> Love you. Well, just, that is a, that's a real thing that the gut connection. So your nervous system, um, autonomic nervous system. So if you are in fight or flight, if you are stressed, um, even if it's like, you know, when you, if you're falling in love and you're not hungry, you're not hungry for a reason because certain aspects of your gut shut down. Right. Um, when you are, but let's just say stress, go back to, you know, your client, who's a, um, a lawyer and, you know, like it's a high, strong job and position, uh, your body does not want to digest food in that moment because you, the signal that your nervous system has is, you know, I need to survive right now, or I'm, I'm, I'm just so busy occupied with, you know, this, um, stimulus that has me in this mode of excitement that I'm not, I'm not here to digest any kind of food. And so it's, it's really, it's, it's even if you, so when people don't slow down and they are in that state, which let's be real, most people these days, exactly. Uh, you, you are not allowing proper digestion to happen. And I wanted to share this, um, you know, in my own life, it's not throughout the day. It's, it's always dinner. And I think part of that is because it's at dinner is when I really get to sit down and just kind of settle after a day of, you know, I go from like yin energy to yang where I'm just firing. And then it's like, okay, I start dinner brings me down to yin again. And I do have an out loud dialogue conversation with my food. And I, you know, because, and, and, and what it's so, you know, and every day it's, well, there's some aspects of it that are always consistent, but there's some, yeah, you know, every day is it's some parts change, but one thing that was so connected uh, to what you were sharing before, like the circle of life, like how it got there. One part of what I say to my food is, um, you know, I have so much love reverence and appreciation for you and for all of the life that nurtured you to bring you into this whole beautiful state to be here with me in harmonicity, synthesizing as one. And then I continue on. But the point is, is that I am recognizing and 
everything's fucking energy. So like my food feels my love. There's been research that, you know, the water that, have you seen that, um, that one test about like, when you speak to the water, the, the, whatever molecules or whatever change and, um, your food is going to feel that connection. Call me a fucking hippie. I don't care. Um, I feel better about my relationship with my food and I'm giving it that love and I'm giving it the reverence and not just the food in front of me, but the farmers and even the fucking, you know, microbes and the, and the soil and everything, because this is want, we are part of this whole thing called life. It's all connected. So for me, I feel so, so not only am I pulling my nervous system and bringing me into that yin state where I'm in this mode of, you know, I'm in the parasympathetic, but I'm showing love to what I believe is the greatest lever of my health. I would say nutrition and then sleep for sure, you know, and obviously movement. Mm-hmm. So I just, I want to, yeah, I, you know, it's just like a kind of fun personal thing to bring in, but to, to really back up what you're saying about the importance of slowing down even just for fucking two minutes before you eat to just notice yourself, notice where you're at. What's your breath? Are you even breathing? Cause there's a good chance you're not hundred <laughs> you know, like, exactly. <laughs> especially because we're eating at our desk and that is so beautiful. And I love that you have that relationship with food. And, and that to me feels like the opposite of diet culture, where in general, we think the opposite of diet culture is talking about kind of like boosting yourself up and loving yourself. It's, it's so much more about acceptance and about experiencing love for things outside of just your body. You don't have to say yeah. your body is amazing. You have to say like life is amazing, you know, and, yes. and these things. And that's really what like body neutrality is, is like, you are more than your body. You are this piece of this huge puzzle and this amazing thing. And like you said, food is literally energy. We die without it. It is, you're yeah. giving yourself life's energy. And when you are feeding yourself, you are like calories are energy, right? We know that much. Yeah. Like people are oh, it's calories, you know, that's like, obsession yeah, yeah. With calories. But, but when you're giving yourself energy, you're giving yourself a piece of life. It's so essential. I thought that this is so beautiful that you do that. And I love that you am holding the avocado. I love that. you. <laughs> I would hand you this avocado with all the love and the energy in the avocado. And then you could fan it and we could do whatever with the avocado. I think that's so beautiful. That's amazing. And, and so, so important. And that's, I guess would, that would be the ultimate tip too, which is just giving extreme gratitude and love to yourself through what you're eating, through how you're eating and experiencing all of life. And we want people to, you know, experience life in, in all of its abundance in every single way. And abundance doesn't mean, you know, you have, you have to eat crap foods, you know, and, and, and forgive yourself or whatever that phrase is. You can eat loving, nourishing yeah. food in a gorgeous, you know, gratuitous way um, and experience yeah. life at its absolute fullest that way too. Yeah. Well, even just like bringing, it's a moment of gra- gratitude is a practice, right? It's not just like, oh, I feel great. So I'm going to feel grateful in this moment. It's like, no, it's an ongoing fucking practice. And in that moment where you are, you know, sitting with your food and for like, for me, it's like, fuck, I made it through another day. Fuck. I, I, I lived this day with all my heart and here I am. And look at the food that's being provided to me, for me, to keep me going, to sustain me, to fortify me to, you know, it's a, it's a whole fucking thing for me, you know? Um, but it yeah. sure it, it is. It, it, it is such a key component, not just the food itself, but that relationship that I have with it is such a key component to, to my vitality and to, you know, the relationship that I essentially that I have with myself, this fucking confidence and this ownership. So this, it's just so important to bring up because I am obviously like a mindset, you know, self-mastery empowerment, but I'm like, yeah, but don't get it twisted. 
it's not just because, uh, you know, the, 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 the affirmations or, you know, I'm just a strong, mind. like it's this whole picture. And that, you know, brings us to a beautiful place where it's like, I mean, listen, your approach in your profession, I mean, you're an integrative health expert. I'm a holistic high performer in life. My brand is a holistic high performance because it is this whole picture. And that is what holistic even means. You know, it's not just like, it's because I think people get confused. Like, oh, it's just natural. It's like, it's the whole fucking picture. Whole, it's all influencing. Yes, yeah, exactly. But people, whole. because that word's been stolen. And I, I really, yeah. Well, they're saying that I want people to understand just by you and I sitting here and having this conversation and by other people listening, there's chemical things happening right now. Like our body chemistry is changing through exchange. I'm looking at you. We're exchanging mirror neurons. Like there is so much happening that like when a, when a client sits in your or my office or, you know, one of your girls in your group sits with you an exchange is immediately happening. And that can start, you know, as quickly as you want with a practitioner you love and trust with yourself when you look in the mirror too. So you are exchanging yes. chemicals and energy and all of these things in a non-hippie way. And you know what? I'm going to, now I'm going to pick on you because I'm yes. starting this thing where I have been lately censoring myself so much to try to not hurt people's feelings. And then I go, well, you know, I'm not of this, you know, I'm yeah. not of this. Screw that. Let's just say what we actually want to say from now on. Okay. And by the way, we yeah. are like, I don't know how to tell you that <laughs> separately. Like we are like, call us that that's fine. But I'm, I'm, I'm done giving prefaces to say what I'm not after. I'm just going to say what I am from now on. And I'm challenging you to do the same thing. I fucking <laughs> love you. I'm with you. I know it's like, I, cause I get, it is, it's, it's annoying to me too. You know, like I, I no, it's not annoying at all. It's just We've been conditioned and I'm unconditioning us because I'm going to be out here and you're going to be out here giving life-changing information to people and I'm not going to justify it anymore. And this is, I have, I have to work on this. So I'm just putting you to the same challenge as me. I'm going to give life-changing information to people and to hold people's hands and support them to like every area in their life. And I'm never going to apologize for it. And I'm not going to change the way that I speak to appease someone who doesn't want my help. I'm here to help people who want to be helped and that's it. So that's it. I'm being mean today. I like it. It's good. Yeah, get the fan out. Yeah, it's good. Fan time. Exactly. But I really love the connectedness. And and another message too. You really, really have to be a freak. You have to be a hippie. You have to be all these things to get the main picture and the point, which is that it's all connected. And the only way to achieve anything in life is through love and gratitude. It's That's it. There's nothing else. That's it. We drop drop our mics. That's um, okay. I'm calling this out. You need to start a fucking podcast. We're going to talk about that. Are we starting it together? Oh my God. (laughs) I'm not literally doing it without you. I can't go on without you at this point. Now I have to do it with you. (laughs) You just did a whole thing. Like, it's like, you're you're a huge part of it. Like we have to do this. We're going to talk about this. This is a real thing. Cause I'll just, I'm over here sweating and just so happy. I'm like, I'm going to go crush the weights after this. Oh my goodness. I love you. Avocado. We're both going to cry into avocados <laughs> later. It'll be a- love that. Love, love, them. love you, girl. Love them. Yes. Okay. So before I ask you the final, I have this kind of um, thing yeah. that I like to do with my guests, uh, rapid fire words, um, and one special question, but before I even go there, is there anything that we haven't spoke about yet or that you wish 
would come at more in conversations with you that you could speak about something that you're really passionate. I know we've talked about a lot of things, so no yeah. pressure, but I just like to ask this question. If there's something that you want to live in this incredible conversation that we haven't touched on yet. A hundred percent. Let me think about that too. Um, I, you know what I think is really interesting that we've talked about and touched on a little bit, but just in general with receiving nutrition information and kind of where to start on a nutrition journey and how to kind of navigate and, and know like what's reputable and kind of what's not. And, and what are some of kind of the things that I'm seeing in the nutrition world right now that are really good, that are really red flaggy and kind of what's going on with that. And, and I, I think that's a really important piece of information. Cause I think one of the things that are halting people's health the most is honestly an overabundance of information and an overabundance of the wrong information. And I think this kind of ties into what I was saying before, which is accessing yourself and the information you need, but we got to get off of social media for nutrition advice. And I don't really, I give like, I guess nutrition advice, but more like, look at what's going on here. Kind of disruptive ideas about what I think are disruptive, but shouldn't ever be disruptive ideas about what's going on. But really when it comes to kind of nutrition advice, understanding that every single thing that happens in your body impacts something else that happens in your body. And that all nutrition advice should be super duper individualized. Sure. Mm -hmm. Eating mindfully and eating with a good posture. These are general recommendations that I think are really, really acceptable. Um, I also am not a person who's like, only go to registered dietitians for, I'm a registered dietitian and it's a big thing in the nutrition world. They mentioned dietitians are the only nutrition expert. I absolutely don't believe that. I think like functional nutrition therapy practitioners are unbelievable. CNSs, naturopathic physicians. I think they are super qualified to talk about nutrition too. Um, but really when you're kind of embarking on a nutrition information journey, just really take it super slow, really take into account, is this meant for me? Um, Mm -hmm. and I think I, of course think working with someone one-on-one is like the optimal, but if you can't really try to kind of get the information that's most, at least niche down for you and really try to like take in information and then sit with it and feel like if it feels right for you and try to implement things when it comes to nutrition, just one thing at a time, instead of doing like everything all at once. and like, Oh, I have to do this. This, this, this seems good. This, I got this from this person. Almost every single piece of information you see online is going to conflict with another piece of information you see online, which is like hilarious and terrible. And I think this confusion is just kind of this noise, but ultimately take one piece at a time, really go with practitioners who seem like they, it's so hard, but, um, I would, I mean, I only get information from practitioners who I know have actually worked with people. I know I otherwise don't really, I don't really consume a lot of content on social media either. I'd more just put it out and then leave it. Cause it's like terrible on there. But I, I mean, in general, when you're, cause people are going to use social media for content, but really trying to understand who's the practitioner and is this information meant for you? And that's kind of the first step. Like, is this information meant for me? And then when applying it, really try to do it like one little piece at a time. And unfortunately, understanding that every single thing you see on social media does have a little bit of an agenda to it. Um, yeah. So try to get qual. I think reading books is an awesome way to get nutrition information. I, I read them all the time, even though I'm an expert in nutrition and all that stuff, I still am constantly reading um, and really trying to get information from people who I trust a lot more. And I'm always happy to share those resources and information with people too. But be wary of information online, be critical of information online. Don't think just because someone has a bunch of letters at the end of their name that they know anything more about your body than you do. And try to take every single thing you implement just one step at a time because it's a crazy climate right now. So, so powerful. That's so great. Ah, thank you. 
that last question is so important. See what you can squeeze out. Uh, okay. So this is uh, one of my favorite questions to ask my guests. If you had a magic wand and you could give the masses one positive habit that would have a large ripple effect on their life, a positive ripple effect on their life, what would it be and why? God, such a good question. I even thought about it before and I was like, oh, I know what I'm going to say. And now I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> Woo, I'm stressed. Okay. <laughs> I would say, um, experiencing deep self-compassion, um, and acceptance, like on a, on a really, really deep level. If I could like hand one thing to people, it would be them legitimately accepting themselves for who they are and being so deeply compassionate to themselves. Like they would be not to a best friend, but to like, I don't know, the most important, precious, anything in the entire world, the ability to just be so kind to yourself and so compassionate to yourself and so loving to yourself. Um, and I think that would pretty much solve the whole thing. Like any, because do any, you just, just to pick on that, like if you can give me one to two things that you've experienced a in yourself or B both with your clients, when more compassion has come into the picture, because I call compassion a, it's a high performance tool. It is so, so important. Um, what are some of the changes that you have seen or felt in your own life by, by implementing, by applying, giving yourself more compassion or your clients doing that for themselves? Yeah. Um, I can definitely, I can think of one client specifically who really is like one of the most like impressive human beings in the world, like resilience wise, compassion, loving wise, and really was just giving kind of all of her energy outward. She's like a double Ivy league, um, MD, like literally like one of the most specialized, like medical doctors, like unbelievable human beings. And also just like took care of her family all the time. And like, was just like a very good human. And, and basically when she would, um, work out, like two, she used to work out like two or three times a day before she came to me. Yeah. That's like, that ended obviously after a while, but <laughs> when she first came to me, she was working out like two or three times a day. If she didn't get that second or third workout. And she would say like, I'm such a lazy person. And she would always say that. And I'm like, is what you're saying remotely sensical compared to the rest of your life? How could you think this way about yourself when you look at the context of your life? And really she, she just was not getting any results from her workouts, from any of the food changes we were making. And it really led her into this kind of binge cycle because when you feel like you're not good, you're not going to do awesome things for yourself. You're just not going to, because you kind of match what you feel you deserve. That's what we do in life. We match what we feel we deserve. And, and, we were, I mean, again, this is one of the most type A intense perfectionist. I'm going to do everything perfectly person. Her eating was perfect. Her training was perfect. All this was in alignment and she was still carrying extra weight. She didn't want to, she was still experiencing a lot of physical symptoms. Her, we did, we ran her Dutch test. Her labs were like completely screwed up. Her female sex hormones were completely screwed up. And at some point she just said to me, like, how much longer am I going to do this for? Like, how am I, what, what is it going to take Michelle? Seriously? Because now I'm really fed up. And I said, just change the dialogue in your head. We have to change this conversation in your head. And, and it was like, so, I mean, it sounds mystical, but it's not because we know what's chemically going on. But within like a month, everything started to change. I ran her tests again, like a, a, a couple months later, all of her stress hormones were correct. Her body fat changed, her health changed. Every single aspect of her health completely changed. And it just took that switch of being like, what, what am I doing here? Like, wh what is happening here? And I said, do you want to look back on your life and say, I wish I did that workout more? Or do you want to live your life? 
Like, what do we want to do here? And we have conversations and I have like screaming moments with some of my clients where I'm like, are you going to realize what you're worth? Or like, what are we going to do here? Because you get to the point also where I'm coaching for like six months and I'm like, now I'm going to scream in your face. And we had that big conversation where I was like, what, what are we doing here? You're right. What are we doing here? And I, it was like that moment that that happened, all of it just changed. And it was just magic after that. And she also really, what happens with a lot of my clients too, is we get these like weird side effects. And again, it seems like it's this weird spiritual thing going on, but it's not, but like, again, another one of my clients for a really long time, she had been occupying a larger body for a long time, which can just absolutely beat you down by life. It is such an unfair societal thing, the way that people who are in larger bodies are treated. I, I, I could do an entire podcast and just that. Um, and really she was so beaten down by it, no matter how, whatever her calories she was counting, no matter what was happening, she wasn't losing weight. Her body wasn't ready to really release that. And what was happening was her relationship kind of was getting screwy as a result of it. Her job was getting kind of screwy as a result of it. And, and I, I low key wanted her relationship to get screwy because like, I didn't like her partner. Cause I found from the story, she was telling me that he was abusive. Of course, I'm not making a comment. I'm not a therapist. I'm not saying anything about it, but I'm like, Ooh, that makes me nervous. You know? And she would tell me the stories. And one day she just said, I'm breaking up with him. Like I'm, I'm, I'm just going to break up with him. And I'm like, okay. And that was after she started to be really much more kind to herself. And I'm like, okay, like, I'm not saying anything about it. Interesting story. Then she gets the promotion at work. And it just happened as soon as these people started accepting it, as soon as they started feeding themselves with the love that they deserved, these weird things start happening in their life where it's just like, you know, and I, I'll, I'll do one more. I'll just do a little one more. I have Please, another girl, girl. Yeah. who was so petrified to eat out with anyone because she had in a former relationship, a, a, again, an abusive partner who would like tease her about her weight and, and make these crude comments that she was so petrified in that relationship, which was years long. She wouldn't eat in front of him. She could not eat food in front of him. Mm-hmm. And then um, she ended up, you know, she worked with me for a couple months we got her relationship with food into this gorgeous place because she really started to treat herself with a lot more respect. And then she went on a date and she ate in front of the guy. And, and funny enough, she's telling me the story and she's like, yeah, we went out to dinner. And I was like, you went out to dinner. Like what happened? What, did you eat when you were at dinner? She's like, yeah, she forgot that, that was even the thing. And then ultimately she is now getting married to this amazing guy. And when she got engaged, I was like, Oh my God, it's just like (laughs) it's a snowball effect. And I just, I'm like, I love this guy for her. I love, and her whole life is completely different. And it really started with this decision to start treating themselves through food, through their health, just with more respect. And and it could come from someone who's a really high performer. It could come from someone who's lacking self-confidence, but the result is the same with self-compassion. The result is random good stuff just happens as a result. And you kind of can't chase the outcome. You just have to chase the compassion and chase that kindness. And then weird stuff happens. I didn't know that this person was going to get, you know, this in their job and this. And then when they reflect on it, they're like, it all started there. And it's always that root cause of compassion. Oh, it's so, it's so powerful. You're, 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 you're actually validating my work. <laughs> Just so you know. Like I've also had my experience. Tell us about your people's. I want to hear too. Yeah. Now, well, I just, you know, I'm a firm believer that, you know, it's, it's our self-identity is what shapes our reality. And part of that self-identity piece comes in, you know, the self-talk and, and then we can go neuroscience again and actually talk about like with neuro, you know, from a neurobiology perspective, the language that you are, you know, having with yourself, the, the dialogue that you're having with yourself, whether it's inner and outer, um, cause I talked out loud to myself both, but that is affecting you from that perspective. And that is going to change 
you know, your, you, how you are projecting yourself even at, you know, it towards life, right. How you project yourself towards life. Well, what's good. There's an, there's, you're, you're going to give yourself different experiences as a result of that, like how you carry yourself straight up. If you're walking around like this, shoulders down, head down, right. That's a physical, um, kind of, uh, exhibit of what you're feeling inside. Well, when people see that, what's the response that they're going to, you know what I mean? Because everything affects everything. So anyways, I'm going to take us in a rabbit hole. Be careful here. But what I am saying is that when you hold more compassion, uh, for yourself, there is more patience, there's more love, there's more respect. And all of that is going to make you feel not only more connected to yourself, but just more, um, you're just going to have more reverence for yourself. You're going to have more appreciation for yourself. You're going to be able to carry yourself in a much different way. And then everything that you're approaching your life is always is being affected in that way too. So anyways, I just, I love what you just shared because it's it's part of my, my conversation. (laughs) Self-talk man. It's a, it's a huge, it's a power. And you know, you actually said something that I I need to hit you with too before. Yeah. like, all right. I, I know I always talk about being a New Yorker. It's a huge part of my identity. I'm like a Jewish New Yorker, which is like kind of the same thing. It's a whole thing. But I, in, in that, what we do not do well with is flowery language. And I actually had someone design mm-hmm. my website recently. And I'm like, don't put any Cali weird stuff, like adopt an abundance mindset. I'm like, don't put that on my website. I don't want anything like that. We don't talk like that. <laughs> We've not experienced life like that. So this kind of self-talk of being like overtly positive, that's not compassion at all. That's being fake. So what we're talking about is just honestly being respectful to yourself and honestly giving your body what it needs, not in like this fluffy and we're fluffy and fun and spiritual and all those amazing things too, but that's not really what the money is about. And that's where I think also piece of body pieces of body positivity exist, where I think it needs to come down a lot more to acceptance, meeting yourself where you're at and less about like, which true body positivity is that, but fake online body positivity is like, you're amazing no matter what, which like, don't talk to yourself in a different voice that you wouldn't talk to yourself. I would never be like, Michelle, you are so, you're so wonderful. Like I would, I would never talk to myself like that. I have like very intense energy. I would be like, you got this or you don't like, you know, like talk to yourself in a normal, also human way. Don't be like weird to yourself. It's not more. Like, no matter what happens, everything's a flower. Like it's literally not. Everything's a flower. (laughs) Not like you're not amazing. If you feel like crap, you actually feel like crap. But then saying, I'm so sad that you feel like crap and I really want to help you is different than like, nah, you don't feel like crap. You're good. Like, no, you're not good. You feel like crap and it's okay. It's whatever it is. It just is. And that's okay. It just is. That's what compassion is. Acceptance. And it just is sometimes. And then you can work from that point, but don't be, I love it. I love it. You just, you, oh my goodness, you are so fucking amazing. And it's just like, it sucks that we're, uh, a country apart or, you know, like on the opposite coast, but, um, I can't wait to, to be wrapping out with you in real life. We'll be like crying. We're going to be so weird. We're going to be so weird. I can't wait. It's going to be so weird. I can't wait. 
It's going to be so epic. No, thank you for that. That add in that was so, you know, just powerful. And I agree with you. Self-honesty is to me, real self-love. Um, and it's not going to feel good all the time, but it is true respect for self, you know, Sometimes you got to kick yourself in the ass, but that self-love is also going to get you back up and like make you feel better in the process. But it's, it's both, it's not just all like sweet and soft and yummy. Life isn't. And that's why life is beautiful too. It's tragic and it's all these awesome things, but that are unpleasant in the moment, but that we absolutely grow from. And it just freaking is. And that's like the most New York thing, whatever it is, what it is. That's what it is. I love it. I love it, girl. Okay. Rapid fire words. Cause, uh, I've had you here for so long and I'm so grateful for it. So, uh, you don't have to be rapid in your response. I'm just going to throw a couple of words at you and whatever comes top of mind, top of heart, uh, share it. Ready? Could it be a whole sentence or you want another word in response? Oh no. Yeah. It's, you can elaborate on whatever the word makes you feel or think of. Yeah, I know. Cause I'm fine. I'm, I'm when I get athletes on here, it's really funny. Cause they're like, okay, like it's like a sport. Here we go. Huh? Like, I'm like immediately anxious. I'm like, okay, yes, I'll do it. Okay. That's fine. I'll be perfect at it too. I'll, I'll do it. Great. Don't worry. Yeah. Get the fan out here. Let me fan you from over there. Okay, get the fan out for me. I'm getting my charger out. You get the fan out. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Here What's we up? go. First word is love. Okay. I instantly thought of the Beatles. So that's not good because that's like, I actually have a tattoo on my foot that I got with my sister and her says, all you need is love. And mine says, love is all you need. We're like, like everyone else in the world, huge Beatles fans, you know, everyone who's normal. When I would say love in the context of health and not on a tangent about the Beatles, which I really love. um, I would say that the way that we communicate with ourselves through food is love. And the best way that we can spread love to ourselves is by nourishing ourselves with real whole foods. Um, and this impression that I get of love otherwise is that emotional eating, self-soothing, which are loving ways too, um, is one way to love yourself. But I hope people can experience love in a different form, um, which is also just giving yourself the things that you actually need instead of what you might need in the very short term, giving yourself in the long term what you need, I think is a great expression of love to oneself. And also, um, I am, I really do believe that love is at at the bottom, like I said, compassion and love is at the bottom of every single thing that we do. And, and when I think about love, and I think about food decisions, another quick little game you can play, not just the Oreo orange game is ask yourself, am I eating this out of fear? Or am I eating this out of love? So if you're eating something where it's like, oh, I don't want to eat, I, I can only grill chicken because I'm going to gain weight. It's not the right food for you. That means uh, that you're eating it in, in fear of something negative. You want to be eating things for a potential positive loving outcome. So every time you make a decision, ask yourself, am I bringing love to myself through doing this or am I running from something out of fear? So that's what came up for love. And the so, Beatles, so good. And the Beatles. Oh my gosh. I can't, I love it so much. And FYI, we, we're going to, you're going to have to come to Vegas Yes. When the show starts back up, which I actually think that it has, but, um, the love show, yes, I'm sure you've answer. seen it. It's so good. Yeah. yeah it's okay. So good. It's yeah. so good. Okay. 100%. Next word is fear. Yeah. I feel, um, when I'm hearing fear, I'm just like the world now. That's what I'm yeah. feeling. It's like everything. Um, this has been one of like the most collective fearful times in human history. I think in the, in recent human history, it feels like there's a, a, a fear amongst all of us. And much of it is rational and some of it is perceived and, and 
maybe possibly still rational or irrational. And I think that um, when we act in fear, we don't end up doing things that are really excellent for us. Ultimately, Um, the answer to fear is not to reject it and try to hide it, but to lean into it and learn more about it um, and ask the question, which you so beautifully stated before, what's really going on here? So when I feel scared of something, I'm like, oh, a message. Like I really react that way. I'm like, oh, you didn't like that. What's, what is that about? Oh, you hated that. So when fear comes, it's a signal to go in, not run. Um, even though of course our trauma response, there's sometimes to run. Um, I, as much as we can, when it comes to fear and anxiety, lean in acceptance of it. Okay. I hate this, but I'm accepting it because that's where you're actually going to resolve it. And the way that I think of fear or anxiety is like, this visual, there's a little kid at the playground. I call him Timmy and he's trying to get his mom's attention. Mom, mom, mom. I want to tell you something kind of like, uh, Stewie on family guy when he's trying to get low. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, He's trying to get her attention. The more that she ignores him, the more that he pulls because he needs her attention. So if you have fear and you're having these racing thoughts, get yourself into a little bit of a conversation and then let the thoughts happen. Don't fight them. The more that we fight fear, the greater it becomes. So I think accepting fear, pulling it in and letting it happen, even though we hate it so much, anxiety stinks. I know it's so unpleasant, but in that moment, just letting it be instead of creating that friction um, is a really easy way to fight it. And we are so much more optimal when we are not engaging in activities based on fear. So lean into fear. That's what I would say. (laughs) Yes. You warrior. I love it. Next word, passion. I'm like you. (laughs) I've never felt that before. Um, I, I, for me recently, what's been like, so I'm so like jazzed about and passionate about is really spreading the word of functional medicine and functional nutrition. I think this is a time where we're pulling back because of fear a lot back into, um, just like the fear space, which is not listening to ourselves, not exploring, not, you know, challenging science, not going headfirst into things. And, and when I think about that, I think about, um, just what lights me up right now is like the thought of, and I'm the type of connector where like, I have every type of doctor as a friend, every type of practitioner, who's like really good. I'm like going to find them and we're going to become best friends. Cause I want to have people that are safe that I can put my people into the world of. So when I think of passion and what's like burning me right now, it's putting people in those safe hands. That's what just feels like what I need to be doing right now. And, and like a weird shepherd kind of situation where I'm just like, Oh, she, you know, like you're not sheep, you're wonderful people, but like go into the right hands. Cause I feel so protective of my people, just like you do of your people. And I want, that's yes. what feels really good for me right now. And what is making me burn is, is just getting so people good. into those safe hands. So good. Okay. Courage. Man, I think we talked about courage before too, where it's like, stop, um, stop correcting ourselves and be brave to actually be who you are. And even though you and I are like the perfect examples of being brave, cause we like, can't be anything but who we are. Cause we're so distinctly who we are. And it's like, we can't like run from it, but even you and I are making those little justifications for who we are. So what I think would be really brave for even what I consider to be very brave and courageous people, um, is to just not correct or justify yourself. Because like you said, you know, who you are as a person, you authentically know that you are never trying to harm any people with what you're saying. So what you're saying has true heart behind it, every word. So being courageous right now is actually saying what you mean and meaning what you say, and just not like justifying yourself and not saying, Oh, but I'm not, you know, I'm not actually like that way, you know, or you can call me that, but just you are what you are. 
acceptance of what is, is courageous right now, which is weird and stupid, but it's true. Yeah. It's fucking awesome. I love it. You're such a gangster. Um, seriously, I'm just like over here in awe of you girl. Okay. Next word is challenge. Oh, I feel so challenged right now too. Honestly, where my, wow. And challenge is like not a good, I didn't get like, I'm going off of feeling by the way. And that I do like very, very, very light um, energy exchanges that I'm noticing with my clients. I'm not an energy worker, not a trained energy worker, but when I feel like, you know, different things with clients where I'm like, Ooh, that's acid Mm. reflux. What is that? What do you got going on here? Like I can tell from what they're saying and experiencing. And when you said that, I like felt it in my heart and and it didn't feel like challenge. It felt like challenge because I think there's so much fear right now. And I feel like it's the, the challenge of what's to come for us is, is such a drastic mindset change for people from a place of fear to love that I feel really burdened by that. And what's the result of all this fear and, and what's creating all these challenges is this tribalism, intense adversity, fear creates adversity so much. And we're kind of living in the health world right now in a fear space. And that is not a healing space at all. So it's like, mm. how do we help people not only on their personal journeys, but on a kind of global context, not feel so afraid. And that feels like my heart. That's when I'm saying the energy exchange. I'm like, Oh, I feel like my whole heart chakra is closed. Cause I'm like, I feel like I can't break past that for people right now. It seems like it's, it's, it's mounting up. So that feels like a huge challenge instead of challenge and a fun, what am I going to take on way? That was what came up. I'm like, Oh, I feel the, the pain empathy. of collective pain. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're a real healer. I mean, I, that makes perfect yes. sense to me. I I'm yeah. Yeah. Okay. Two more words. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite words, resilience. Ooh, resilience. Oh, resilience. So my favorite people in the entire world are people who have been through shit. Okay. They're just my favorite people. It's biased. It's unfair. I just (laughs) feel that way towards people. I know you do too. It's just like, if you haven't, I I love everyone. If you haven't been there though, I'm not going to be like, damn, I get you in the same way. So I love my people who have been through things. I don't think that resilience is something that's innate. I think that um, I wish in, many times in life, people didn't have to flex their resilience. Cause mostly I just wish that crappy things didn't happen to people. I loved it. I really, really wish that wasn't the case. Um, so it's not so much that I think that resilience is impressive, which I get nervous about saying, because I actually, then you're kind of glorifying their trauma. So I would get really careful around that word, but what resilience means to me is that I'm probably going to be able to understand someone more and I'm probably going to be in that empathy zone with them more immediately. Um, and just like, and just a childlike fun way. Like I totally like, that's fun. Like I get it. Like I love, I love a person who who's kind of been through it. And as much as I don't want them to have been through it and I'm not marking who they are by that. Um, there's a, there's a deep love that I have for people who have, and it's so immediate. Um, and you just, you know, another person who's been through it, you know, you just look at someone, you're like, we know we've been there and yeah. it's just like, it's a connector. And I think that's resilience for me is a, a connector more than an, kind of an impressive trait or something like that. I love it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a powerful attribute and it is, you know, you don't have to even have trauma. You could just be someone who's like, you know, just charging through life, like building your life from passion, purpose, and vision. That's how I, you know, and there's, you know, you're in the arena and you're taking fucking punches on the way to this vision that you have for yourself. And resilience is not a state, it's a process. So it's like, every time you get back up and you, you know, you took that punch and you're swinging back at life 
to keep moving towards your goals, your vision, like that is resilient. So I I'm with you on that. Like it's, you know, I mean, I always say like, I feel like all my, my podcast, um, community, you know, people know me by now that like even social just Rocky is like a life hero to me because I relate to, I relate to the story of Rocky so much, you know, I'm over here in the fucking arena every day, just, Hmm. you know, as a path creator, as an authentic woman who is authentic to my core, uh, like me or not, uh, I do like get the job or not get the fucking client or not like, (laughs) but I'm saying like, I will not be disloyal to my most authentic self, no matter what the fuck that means. Um, and even that, you know, can, and has like my makeup career, you know, there's like rejection and things that come with that. And then every time you stand up to that rejection, uh, and you keep moving forward from that place of, you know, authenticity towards your goals, like that is, that is your fortifying resilience. So just, um, yeah, just kind of appreciating and echoing and inserting a little bit in that. And I, and I do see the resilience in you instantly and do feel that connection and that fighting spirit. Warrior sisters. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I I just like them. I just like the people who are like that. I just do. It's like a, it's like, I don't know if it's even fair. I don't know what it is. It's just a, a thing. It's like a, for me, it's like a little bit of a trauma. It's relatable. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it's super, I do. And I, and I so deeply admire it in you so immediately um, upon talking to you. I really, really, that's like a word that I would quite literally immediately um, associate with you, which is one of the highest compliments I can give to someone. So oh, I give you a lot more than that too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Final word. Um, also a word that I love so much. And you actually said it in the podcast at one point. I was like, ooh, uh, excellence. Oh. Um, I love um, Bill and Ted's be excellent to each other. So good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> literally what comes up. I love when that comes um, up in this. I am, even though I'm a person who like definitely can get behind like meritocracy and things like that. Um, I think they, when I think of excellence, I really think of like a lot of what we just spoke about with resilience too. It's just about being authentic to yourself, no matter what that looks like. And so there's like terrible traits about all of us and excellent traits about all of us and, and being just what excellence is, is achieving the most you-ness that you can kind of be. And it's easier for people like us. Cause like, unfortunately I've had the same personality since I'm like born. Like it's just, I can't do anything about this. Like whatever this is, it's like too late. You know, like it's just been happening. Like I, it's good, whatever, it's fine. But like, it's not great sometimes. Like, there's not much I can do. But to me, like I, I, and I've said this since I was like a, a little kid. I'm like, if on my gravestone, it said Michelle was who she was and she was a great, great friend. I would be like the happiest person in the world. That would mean like I lived a life worth living. Like Michelle was Michelle and she was a great friend along the way. Like that's, that would be like the best thing in the entire world. So excellence is just being really you no matter what. And that's what I love seeing in people. I'm just like, that is so weird. Why do you think like that? I love it. I freaking love it. Like, why are you like this? Why are you like this? That's my favorite people in the entire world and achieving excellence in any area in life takes that level of authenticity. That's what the people who are the most accomplished in the world are just the most them, I think. And the Mm. most excellence is just being the most you you can possibly be. No matter if it's good, there's a lot of bad over here. I'm telling you, love it, but there's a lot of bad over here. And that's also just completely okay. And I I can't really uh, hide it. So it's, we we don't have it. Other people can like have that luxury of like maybe hiding who they are. I think it's been like this forever for us though. It's just, it is what it is. 
I, yeah, I don't, I don't know any other way. To be. <laughs> um, I really don't. And it's like, I, I actually, in my coaching with my girls, it's like, every time you, you, you opt out of your most authentic self. And, and, and there's lots of reasons why people do that. Obviously it's a whole sure. fucking podcast conversation, but, um, you know, you're you look at it this way and I'm very deliberate about injecting these words. Cause I feel like they give you an emotional response, but you're being fucking disloyal to yourself. You're you're, and you're being loyal to the external. So you're literally choosing where your loyalty goes. And when you hear it like that, you like, who wants to be disloyal to themselves? I don't think anybody does really, but understand that that's actually what's happening. Um, and then let's figure out what needs to happen to, you know, be more loyal to yourself. But, um, I, yeah, I personally, you know, I, I, I'm very fortunate. I think, um, you know, I grew up sibling, five siblings, five of us oh, brothers. Awesome. Yeah. Like five, three brothers trail right behind me. Like, I'm the older sister, but kind of almost like a brother, but sister for sure. And then my sister and we're all alphas and we're all fucking real. And you no know, one's putting on a front in front of like, if you tried to be anything that wasn't you, it's like, yeah, that shit's not going to fly in my family. So I think it's, it's not, not going to happen. happen. Like we're, we're going to call you out in one second, which is exactly <laughs> honestly the best word ever. And like my favorite yeah. word. And I, it is such a Queens thing. I have to be honest. And my friends from college said, you say it so much. It's so annoying. I'm like, cause you don't get it. It's like loyalty is like the most Oh yeah. To others and to yourself. Like my friends I've been friends with since I'm shout out to Queens, but my friends who I've been friends with since I'm like two, like the same friends for 30 years. Like it's just, we are like, so there's, it's so impenetrable. And so like this like weird world in New York where people are in like these neighborhoods and people are so family to each other. And it's, it's like that in so many other communities. And for, for me, like loyalty is like, so, like, again, my friends from college who were like from New Jersey and other places, they're like, why are you talking about loyalty all the time? Like, we're just trying to chill. I'm like, it's all about loyalty. Okay. You're, you're not being loyal. And they're like, this is like, we're 18. Like, what are you talking about? Like, this has been like a theme in my whole life. I love that you brought that word up because loyalty is like, so, so it's a core value. I mean, it's a core value yeah. of mine too. It's literally one of my top core values. And so that, it made, I mean, listen, girl, it makes so much sense that our girl Gabrielle would put us together because oh. she, she just knows one of the most uh, loyal, he, resilient, empathetic people in the entire world. I sister, mean, like, yeah. sister. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She fucking knows, you know, integrity, loyalty, like all of that. It's just, it's woven. And so I love you. Thank you for you just all your time, all your beautiful energy, uh, that you've shared here, the, the ideas, the, the tactics, the strategies, um, you, and then also just what you are doing in the world. You are such a contributor. And I am just, I'm, I'm taking a moment to recognize you for that and appreciate you for that. No, because it's true because listen, I'm, there's a lot of takers in this fucking world. And then, uh, so I having a show, I have the beautiful opportunity to bring on incredible contributors like you. And I want to speak from my heart to say to you and put it on fucking loudspeaker. I appreciate you for being a contributor. You know, it's, it's, um, you know, it's a thank beautiful, you. yeah, you Sorry. are a beautiful experience. You are too. And I want to thank you very much because it is my honor and privilege, A, to spend time with you, B, for you to interview me for your audience. It's a ridiculous honor and privilege for people who I know know you, who are the people who um, must be incredible to be in your world, who are blessed to be in your world. I feel legitimately so fortunate to have spent this time with you from the first minute we talked, we were cackling, <laughs> laughing, like so legitimately connected. And like, 
I feel like a lot of people feel connected to us, but we don't feel so connected to a lot of people. And I feel very connected to you. I do. <laughs> I really do. I, I really do. And I am so, like, I had so much fun today. Anything else you want to do? Guys, we're starting a podcast together. Yes. Um, <laughs> no, we're going to talk. We have things to do. I'm not, I'm not even kidding. Um, but where, where do we send people to be more tuned into you, to work with you, all the things? Absolutely. So the kind of way that I work with clients is going to be either in private practice or in this new program that I'm launching soon. Um, if you're interested in functional medicine advocacy, if how you want to like interact with doctors, um, if you want to learn how to like, not how to not feel like crap when you're leaving a doctor's office, all that information is going to be on my website. It's michellespurerd.com. Super easy. Cause it's also my Instagram handle, michellespurerd. If you want to email me, michellespurerd at gmail.com. I'm really, um, transparent in that it's just the same across all platforms. And I really would love to hear from any of you. Again, if you're in Roxy's world, you're in my world. So I'm so grateful guys. That was a very, you didn't cut it yet, but that was a very long podcast. And I'm so grateful. You just listened to me talk about stuff with this amazing person. Thank you so much. And really Roxy, thank you so much for having me. I mean, I love you. You're the fucking shit. I love you (laughs) to be continued. Okay. Uh, Easily next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On our podcast, the whole thing. yeah we'll, we'll tell you guys later. We just you bring the avocado, I'll bring the fan. Okay. Exactly. I can't. Bye, so, guys. Bye, guys. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode, you guys. If you loved it, please share it on your social. Throw it up on your Instagram stories and tag me. I'm at Black Belt Beauty. I am also at Roxy Look. R O X Y L O O K. I love connecting with you guys. This is a conversation that I want to just continue growing with you guys. So if you feel inspired to hit me up, do so in that space. I always enjoy hearing from you. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can do so by rating it and reviewing it via iTunes. It's such supportive help, you guys. It really helps the visibility of this podcast. So I appreciate and thank you in advance for doing that. And last but not least, if you are interested in starting your own podcast, or perhaps you already have one and you need help with, you know, editing your audio and the production of it, I cannot recommend my producers enough. Resonate recordings, you guys, they are the bomb. I rely on them. They are an absolute supportive tool to me and my podcast. So check them out and let them know that Black Belt Beauty sent you. And on that note, you guys, I'm signing off with all my love and always looking forward to catching you on the next.